Well, it's certainly a blessing to be here today, and let me say that I have been blessed by the music and by your missional emphasis, and as uh, our brother has said, Franken Heights was a mission of this church. I uh, have been blessed by the friendship of your precious pastor who has a heart for missions. And <clears throat> we have enjoyed our lunches together and our time together in prayer. And it's a blessing uh, for me to be here today. At my age, it's a blessing to be anywhere. <laughs> and, um, but uh, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. Now, to give you a little background, Matthew, of course, was one of the apostles. His name was Levi before he was a follower of Jesus Christ. Matthew, as a gospel, is the largest or longest, quite a bit larger than Mark. And one reason is that Matthew gives greater detail in some of the things that Jesus said and the things that Jesus did. I thought about that, and one reason it may be is that on one occasion, Matthew called himself a tax collector. Now, anybody who deals in taxes have to deal in detail. And so maybe one reason that we have a lot of detail in Matthew is because he was a tax collector and how we love tax collectors. Now, uh, beginning in verse uh, 5... Jesus here is a part of the, what we call the Sermon on the Mount. He is telling us how not to pray. And in, and, and, and in a few words, he is saying that we're not to pray like the hypocrites. And then he goes on to give us a model prayer. Now, we have come to call it the Lord's Prayer. I really think John 17 is the Lord's Prayer. But this is a model prayer. And I hope that you have your Bibles by now open to Matthew 6. And after saying, don't pray like the hypocrites, then Jesus said this. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive our debts or transgressions as we have forgiven our debtors or those who have transgressed against us. And then Jesus said, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then Jesus chooses what it apparently is the thing that's on his heart, and he begins to explain how important verse 12 is when he talks about our forgiving others he said if you forgive men when they sin against you your heavenly father will also forgive you but if you do not forgive men their sins your father will not forgive your sins now, folks, that's a staggering statement. Jesus seems to be predicating our forgiveness of our sins on whether or not we are willing to forgive people who've sinned against us. 
1992, my wife and my daughter and I were in London, England for about a week, and we stayed at this beautiful hotel less than a quarter of a mile from Buckingham Palace. I used to walk down there and just stand outside to see if I can see anybody royal. I never did. But uh, we were sitting in the lobby of this beautiful hotel eating strawberries and scones. And if you haven't tried them, don't knock it. It's, they're wonderful. And all of a sudden, we noticed that coming out of the elevator were about four or six tall, slim, African young men. They had on black suits, white shirts, and black ties. And right in the middle of them was Nelson Mandela. And my wife said, oh my goodness, I think I'll go over and shake his hand. I said, I don't think you will, because I knew that under those coats was more than a white shirt. And so I said, you just sit where you are. And he just, in a kind of regal way, walked out of the hotel. And I believe he had an audience at that visit with the Queen. What I do know is 18 months later, he was elected as the president of South Africa. Now, for those of you who know anything about him, he spent 27 years in prison because he was a civil rights activist. And uh, 27 years in prison, he, was, he came out and was elected president. But rather than having one vice president, he had two. Now, if any man had a right to exact a pound of flesh for how he was treated, maybe it was Nelson Mandela. But he chose one white vice president and one black vice president. And the head of his security was a white guard who had been his guard in prison, but had showed him a modicum of mercy. And so he brings this guard to help him to be guarded as the president. And this is what Mandela said. He said, I want South Africa to be beautiful. And for that to happen, we must take the road of forgiveness. Now, I want to say to you this morning, I, I do believe that sometime in the Christian church, the road of forgiveness is, as Robert Frost said, the road less traveled. And if you and I are going to know the fullness of what it means to be uh, authentically Christian, we must understand how important Forgiveness is. It is a deep and wide river that runs through the entirety of Scripture. Now this morning I want us to dwell on just two simple truths. First of all, the need of God's forgiveness. And I'm sure that there is no one here that says that we do not need God's forgiveness. Nobody would be so bold as to say, I have never sinned, I've never done anything wrong and I don't need God's forgiveness. We know that all of us have sinned. It's what we all have in common. And of course, Paul, in that great book to the Romans, he said, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. A teenager one time told me what the word all mean. He said, uh, all means all, and that's all that all means. 
and that really covers it. And in Romans 3.23, it says, all of us. I've sinned, you've sinned, all God's people have sinned. And because we are sinners, the Bible makes it abundantly clear that we have this systemic need to be forgiven. We know that. It is a part of the DNA of the Christian church, of Christian theology. And God in his graciousness forgives us. But let me say that he forgives us not because our Heavenly Father is some kind of cosmic Santa Claus or because he's a kind of a doting grandfather that just overlooks our sinfulness. No, no. That is the reason that our precious Lord Jesus went to the cross and and we have here the communion table and every time this church gathers to celebrate communion or the Lord's Supper, it is a straight line to a place called Calvary. Up Calvary's mountain, one dreadful morn, walked Christ my Savior, weary and worn, facing for sinners death on the cross, that he might save us from endless loss. All of us need, and we stand desperately in need, of the forgiveness of God. Paul, that great theologian, in writing about the resurrection, he said this. He said, For I have delivered unto you as of first importance what I also received. And then he says that Christ died for our sins according to the Scripture. Why did Jesus go to the cross? Because of our sins. The great prophet in the Old Testament, Isaiah, said, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, referring to Jesus, the iniquity of us all. And so I'm sure all of you agree with me that we need God's forgiveness. And in the life and times of Jesus, as he taught and spoke in parables, And as he dialogued with the Samaritan woman, as he talked to the rich young ruler, the concept of forgiveness runs through those conversations. To Nicodemus, he said, Nicodemus, and Nicodemus was a very religious man. He had a PhD, he was a rabbi. He said, but Nicodemus, you must be born again. It's not about religion, but it is about a relationship. And that is what, distinguishes our Christian faith from every other religion. It is not a religion. It is a relationship with the living person, Jesus Christ. Every one of us who is authentically Christian, it is because not we're, because we're good people, not because we've joined the church, not because we've been baptized. As important as those things are, we are children of God because we have a personal relationship to Jesus. Christ. We have confessed our sins. We have agreed with him that we are sinners and we stand in need of God's amazing grace that comes to us through the cross of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I have taught you as of first importance, the very first thing, that Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. And you remember in dialogue with the rich young ruler, 
He had everything. He had his youth. He, had his, uh, he, he was a ruler, and, and he, had, he was rich. Doesn't get any better than that. But Jesus knew that his God was his money, and he said, you've got to get rid of that God, so go and, and give your money away, and then you can be born into the kingdom of God because money, like so many in, in America today, because we're increasingly becoming more secular and more materialistic, he said to the rich young ruler, uh, you must get rid of that God. And of course, you remember on the cross how precious Lord Jesus, as he hung there suspended between earth and heaven, and he said, Father, forgive them. And you said, well, he was the son of God. Yeah, but how about Stephen? He was a man like us. But when he was being stoned, Stephen said, Lord, do not lay this uh, to their charge or, or forgive them. Forgiveness is like the mighty Amazon. It runs deep and wide through the pages of Holy Scripture. And all of us would agree that we stand in need of, of, the, uh, of the forgiveness of God. I think the greatest question that anyone can ever ask, better than any philosophical question, better than any theological question, it is the question simply, what can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow. That makes me white as snow. No other fount I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Folks, one preacher cannot overemphasize one theologian cannot overwrite about the need of understanding the sacrifice which Jesus made on the cross and rose on the third day. Amen? And so we stand in need of the forgiveness of God. But the rub comes, as Shakespeare says, not in the matter of our need of forgive, forgiveness. We, I don't think there would be anybody here that is legitimately Christian that would say, I disagree with that. But the problem comes when we need to forgive someone else. C.S. Lewis, that um, uh, man in, uh, from Oxford who was a teacher and wrote a lot of books, and he said... We all think forgiveness is a great idea until we have someone to forgive. Think about that. We, we do think it's a, you know, it's a good idea. And here, uh, Jesus in this, in, in this model prayer, and, and by the way, I, I think it's great to recite the Lord's Prayer, but this was not given to, for, for a kind of a liturgical prayer. It's a model that we used to go by, and, and there is a, a great deal. If you have a book by Charles Allen on the Lord's Prayer, Charles Allen was the great Methodist preacher in Houston, Texas. I had the privilege of hearing him preach a time or two, and he wrote a book on, centered on the Lord's Prayer, and I, there I have other books just on this one prayer, teaching us how to pray. And then he comes to this one issue. He says, forgive us our debts as we also 
have forgiven our debtors. And then in verse 14, there's the stinger. For if you forgive them when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. And this is a perplexing statement to me. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, I don't claim to be a theologian. There are people here who have studied theology perhaps longer than me. I, I, I went to school a lot of years, and I know I don't sound like it, but I stayed a long time. But, but, and, and I'm not sure I understand all the... It's here in this scripture, but I'm saying to you that forgiveness is an important issue in the Christian life. And if you and I are going to be in a right relationship to the Lord, then we must be willing to forgive others who sinned against us. And by the way, forgiveness is not an emotion. Forgiveness is a choice we make. You see, there are times you, that, that you do not feel like it, but there still is that need to forgive. You remember in Matthew 18, Peter, he was a trick. He was always sticking his, a foot in his mouth and jumping out and walking on water. I mean, he was, he was a piece of work. And, and so he comes to Jesus one day and he... he, he he said, Lord, how many times are we to forgive people? Seven times seven. In, in some Jewish traditions, uh, if you forgave somebody three times, you were off the hook after that. So Peter ups it. He said, how often do we forgive? Seven times seven, 49 times? And then Jesus said, how about 70 times seven? Now, Jesus wasn't say, saying that when you get to 491, you're off the hook. Jesus is saying, Peter, if you're going to be my follower, you do not keep account of the times you're sinned against. You, see, pre, you say, preacher, you don't understand what that person did to me. No, I really don't. I mean, you don't understand how hurt I was and, and, and you're right, I don't understand. But what I do understand is what Jesus is saying here. And all of us have had times when our hearts have been broken, but yet there is the call from the Word of God that we have to be willing to forgive. I remember this lady came to me, and I'd been their pastor maybe 20 years, and and she came into my office and she was crying and I could hardly make out what she was saying. And she said, I found that my husband's been unfaithful to me. And she said, um, it's not the first time. And she was crying. And she said, I've had enough. It's over. It's it. Through. And I thought that was it. About a week later, she came back, and she was calm, and, 
She sat down and she said, Pastor, I've, I've decided to give my husband a, another chance. I said, what, what changed your mind? She said, well, Pastor, don't you remember saying last week, is there any possibility that you could, by God's grace, forgive him one more time? And they went through an extended period of counseling and and today, I was in their home lesson a week ago, today they have one of the most godly, Christ-centered homes. Folks, forgiveness pays off. Um, there's a couple at Franklin Heights. I, I can't get over. I was there 41 years. They wanted to get rid of me, but I stayed the whole time. And... Um, The precious pastor they have now, godly man, hard worker. I don't see how he does what he does. But anyway, there's a couple there who's been married 75 years. That's a long time. And so on their 70th anniversary, the pastor interviewed this man whom I have known. He was one of my deacons, and I've always looked up to him. He's about 12 or 14 years older than me, so he's old. And, and, he, and he asked this gentleman, this godly man, he said, could you tell us the secret? Tell us the secret. And I thought he was going to go in, and he had it on a video, and that's the reason I know I happened to be there that Sunday. And you know what the man said? He said, Pastor, the secret is you have to learn to forgive. Now, folks, that's true. The secret of a marriage is you, you, you don't hold things against your spouse. Sometimes you, you want to pinch your little heads off. <laughs> My wife taught a big Sunday school class, and I don't know if they remember anything she said, except sometimes I want to pinch that preacher's head off. But you have to forgive. Because Jesus said, if you forgive them when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive, that troubles me. And what I take away from that is the absolutely indispensable truth that if we're going to be the kind of people that God can use the kind of people in whom the Spirit of God feels at home, the kind of people that makes the difference in the world, we must learn what it is to forgive people even when they break our hearts. And there's not one of us here today that does not need God's forgiveness. There's not one of us here today that does not need to offer forgiveness to someone, and probably there's not one of us here that we at times have not had to go and ask for forgiveness or we need to do that. I've had to do it. I've had to go to church members and say, I was wrong and I need your forgiveness. I've had to go to my wife. You say, you and your wife disagree? Well, it's been a long time, like yesterday. And forgiveness, you see, is just systemic. 
to what a Christian is. We forgive based upon the fact that our Father who loves us and Christ who died for us, He forgave our sins. And when people sin against us, and even when our hearts are broken, we don't feel like forgiveness, but we do it. It's a choice. And God gives us the grace to do it. I remember some of you have been blessed by the life of Corey Tinboon. I was preaching in Poland about seven years ago and <clears throat> preaching to this group of people. I had a translator, don't speak Polish. And then the day before we left to come back to the U.S., we, we made a trip through Auschwitz, a dark place, horrible, evil personified. People were crowded in there like you were going to Disney World, but nobody was talking hardly above a whisper. It was almost like, you know, this place. I mean, it, when you go there, it just impacts your life. And Corey Ten Boom, although she was not at Auschwitz, her father and her and her sister were put in a concentration camp. Her father was, died and her sister died. Corey was freed ultimately and had a great ministry, came to this country. And she tells the story of one time when she was in one of those countries in Europe and she went to church and, and she realized that the preacher, the speaker, had been a guard at one of the concentration camps where she was. And she said, in my heart there welled up that bitterness and that resentment and that hatred because of what happened to my father and what happened to my sister and what happened to me. And I realized, how, how can I forgive him for what he did? And then she remembered, she said, by the grace of God, I remember what God had done for me. And by God's grace, she said, I was able to forgive him. Now, folks, if a woman like that can forgive a man for what he had done that way, chances are we can forgive other people. Because if you do not, let me tell you what's going to happen. Lack of forgiveness in your life will hold you in a prison, and you will dwell there, and bitterness and resentment will build up, and your soul will be cankered, and that old spiritual pus will grow, and you'll never get beyond that. And the person who needs forgiveness, they're going to go on and live their lives, but you will canker up in your spirit. Lack of forgiveness will hold you in a prison. And so I say to you today in closing that what our precious Lord is saying here is that forgiveness is important. And I would remind you with all of my heart that it's good to have the attitude, and let me read. I will not use that wrong that has been against me, against the person in the future. You see, forgiveness has to be full. I will not talk against them to others. I will endeavor not to dwell on the wrong that someone has done. I remember shortly after our son was killed, 
one of the good members of our church, a good man. I wanted to smack him. And I, I think our son had been dead about two months. And this man came up to me, and my wife and I were just trying to survive. And he rebuked me because I had missed a service at the church. Now, what I wanted to do is take a baseball bat, but by the grace of God, I said, Lord, I choose to forgive. And today, in my heart, there's nothing but love for that man. And when he sees me at Franklin Heights, I go there if I'm not preaching at 8.30. He will often come to me and tell me how much he loves me and what I had meant to his life. Folks, if we're going to be the people God wants us to be, if you're going to be the church God wants you to be, if you're going to be the husband, the wife, the young person God wants you to be, You have to forgive or you have to ask for forgiveness. And maybe you're stuck in a place where you need to go and ask for forgiveness. Or maybe you're here today and you've never even asked Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins and to be your Savior. Maybe today is that day. Or maybe there's someone who's come to your mind while I have been speaking what I believe is the Word of God. And that person that hurts you, and the Spirit of God has said, you have not yet forgiven them. And maybe today would be a good day in your heart to do that. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this good church. We thank you for Rocky Mount Baptist Church, for its Precious pastor, for those who serve in the lay capacities, we thank you for each member here. Lord, I know many of them, and they have been a blessing to me. And I pray, Father, that today, as the invitation is given, if there is some need in somebody's heart, we pray that you would move through your Holy Spirit. And we make this prayer in the name that is above every name, even Jesus the Christ. Amen. Brother Tudor is going to come and lead us in the invitational hymn. And if there is some need that you want to come and speak to me, I know I'm not your pastor, but I can certainly pray for you. Or if there is some other need in your heart and life, uh, Brother Fred's going to lead us, and then I will have the closing prayer.